Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this particular day. Thank you because this is the day that the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your unction. Thank you so much for the anointing of God and the grace of God upon my life. Thank you for the words of grace and the words of power that you have committed to my mouth for my generation. And thank you, my Lord and my God, for your people who are under the sound of this voice at this particular moment. And Father, I just want to thank you for the things you have ordained to do before the foundation of the earth. Because there's no accident in you. There's no coincidence in God. There's no coincidence in the spirit. Those are words of men, not the words in the spirit. Because you declare the end from the beginning. Nothing meets you. Nothing happens by accident with you. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, I pray that let there be, O Lord, an aggregation of the workings of heaven, an aggregation of the power and the presence of heaven to start to effect permanent change in every area of lives of your people. Where there are areas where they have desired that change, O Lord, there has been long coming, but the time is now. Lord, you will arise and have mercy upon Zion. For the time to favor them, the time to favor them, to walk in unusual favor, to walk in outstanding favor, to walk, oh Lord my God, in supernatural favor, the said time has come. Therefore, Lord, I want to thank you for that which you're showing me right now. In the name of Jesus Christ, I start to smash in the spirit, that cloud. I smash that cloud that's been hanging over some of these people. I smash it in the name of Jesus Christ. The cloud of unbelief and the cloud that the enemy has put in place to hinder from taking the strides that they desire to take. I smash it in the name of Jesus Christ. Yes, I totally dismantle it right now in Jesus' name. The Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, let there be transaction in the spirit. Let there be transaction in the spirit. Heart to heart transaction from your heart to their heart to receive, oh Lord my God, that impetus to launch them in the realm of, oh Lord my God, possibilities. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I want to thank you so much, oh Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the release of unprecedented finances, even into the hands of your people. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, thank you so much, oh Lord my God. In Jesus' name. Lord, I want to thank you for that job. In the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you for that person going for that interview this week. In the name of Jesus. I see doors open for you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I see opportunities coming your way. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I just want to thank you. Thank you for the things that you have done. Thank you for the things, oh Lord my God, that you are doing right now. Thank you for doors that are opening, Lord, for your people. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh Lord my God, unto the angel of the church in Philadelphia I write. He that is true, he that is holy. He that opens a door that no one is able to shut. 
Therefore, in the name of Jesus Christ, thank you that doors are opening right now. Thank you for supernatural open doors. Thank you for supernatural open doors. Thank you for supernatural open doors. Thank you so much, Lord, for that appointment this week. Thank you so much for that meeting this week. Thank you so much, oh Lord, my God, for that particular encounter that will totally transform lives. Thank you, wonderful Savior. We give you praise, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Lord Jesus. We, we adore you, Lord Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you. We thank you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Once again, I want to welcome you to divine presence for you to experience divine encounter. And this morning... I will be starting a new topic. I'll be taking us into another area. For the past few weeks, we've been looking at fulfilling kingdom mandate. And for close to over 15 Sundays or thereabout, we are looking at various aspects of the kingdom. How do we fulfill it? We have not exhausted everything about the kingdom, but I believe it's time for us to stop or put a pause onto that until the Lord will lead us to return to it at a later day. But to, this morning, I'll be taking us to another area that is so essential and is so important. I believe the Lord has put this on my heart. For a few days, for the past few days, I've just went, Lord, what direction do we go? What direction do you want us to travel on? And very, very clearly in the early hours of Saturday morning was just so clear and I had it in my spirit contending earnestly for the faith contending earnestly for the faith and that is what we start to look at I don't know when we will stop but we will keep starting it and we'll continue as long as we continue to unfold it to us contending earnestly for the faith and I want us to go to the book of Jude Jude chapter 1 from verse number one, Jude chapter one, from verse number one, it reads, and I quote, Jude, a bond servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, sanctified by God, the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ. Sanctified, mercy, peace, love be multiplied to you. <laughs> Praise God. Verse number three, beloved. While I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation, I found it necessary to write to you exhorting you to contend earnestly for the faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. To contend earnestly for the faith which was once delivered uh, uh, to the saints. Amen. The name of this book from the Greek text is actually Judas. The name of the book from the Greek text is actually Judas. But English translators change it to Jude to separate that this particular author or the writer from Judas Iscariot. I don't want to call it the infamous Judas Iscariot, but we all know what Judas Iscariot did. So to separate him from Judas Iscariot, the English translators actually named the book Jude. And not only that, the Hebrew name for him is actually the word Judah. So we can call this book the book of Judah. The book of Judah, because it's the actual name of the book, Judah. 
you know, and uh, it's one of the probably one of what, what I'll call one of the most neglected letter, letters in the entire New Testament. Jude was a half brother of Jesus. Let's go back to verse number one. Jude was a half brother of Jesus, so he grew up in the same household with Jesus, with brother James. He mentioned it there, and to brother James. But I want us to see something here. Jude, from the very, very first verse, said Jude, a born servant of Jesus Christ. If he were to be writing in the natural, or maybe in today's parlance, the way we write, it will be Jude, half-brother of Jesus Christ. Because Jesus, we all know the impact that Jesus made. But Jude did not emphasize his natural relationship with Jesus. I was looking at this and this, and this struck me. That normally you want to identify with someone if, for example, you're the half-brother of the prime minister. You want people around you to know that, oh, this is where, this is actually uh, uh, my, my genealogy. This is the family that I belong to. But Jude, look at it, a born servant of Jesus Christ. Instead of emphasizing his natural relationship, it was emphasizing his spiritual relationship. He said, a born servant of Jesus Christ. The way he put it, you, one wouldn't even have thought that he had any relationship, natural relationship with him at all. But he was his half-brother with James and others. But he was emphasizing his spiritual connection to Jesus Christ. And I think it's a lesson there. It's good. Natural relationships are important. There's no doubt about it. And I'll still go into that. But there's something about our spiritual connection. Because the church itself is a family. Hello. The church is a family. When we realize that we are actually members of the same family, we treat ourselves differently. We'll be more committed to ourselves. We'll not treat ourselves, oh, this is a member of my family, and you are not part of my family. But the church is God's family. Amen. But why did you do this? Why did he emphasize spiritual relationship with Jesus? Because of his emphasis on the blood that saved him, that the blood shed for his salvation is actually far, far superior to the natural blood that flowed in his veins. Because people say blood is thicker than water. Which blood? Hello? Say blood is thicker than water. Which blood? Which blood? <laughs> natural blood is good. Uh, and I do not discountenance his natural relationship with Jesus, but look at the emphasis. And he didn't just do that. Jesus actually started, did, he did the same thing. Let's go to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3, 31 to 35. The book of Mark chapter number 3, 31 to 35. And we read what Jesus actually said or what he did. Mark chapter 3, 31. Then his brothers and his mother came to him. Jude must have been there. Then his brothers, Jude, James, and his mother came. And standing outside, they sent to him, calling him. And then and a multitude was sitting around him, and they said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking for you or seeking you. But he answered them, saying, Who is my mother or my brothers? 34. And he looked around in his circle, he looked around at those who sat about him and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. 35. For whoever does the will of God is my brother and my sister. And my mother, whoever does the will of God. Jude had this. 
Jude saw this. Jude was part of this particular scenario. He had what Jesus said, that whoever does the will of God, that the will of God is so important to him, and he emphasized it here, that it is, yes, because they said, his, as his brothers, as his mother and his sister, they're waiting for you. They're waiting for you. He said, but wait a minute. I'm not saying they're not waiting. But the people who are listening to this word of life, the people who are listening, they are very, very important to my father, to God. Let me show you another example in Luke chapter number 11. I'm saying that because spiritual relationship is so vital. Sometimes we, we treat it with levity because we say, okay, we, we, our emphasis is so much on the natural relationship. And I'm not discountenance that. But don't neglect your spiritual connection to your brother, to your sister. is vital to God and is very important to him. Luke 11, 27 to 28. 27, and it happened as he spoke these things. That a certain woman from the crowd raised her voice. You know, he had preached so wonderfully. He had impacted them. And one woman in the crowd shouted and said, Oh, blessed is the womb that bore you. And the breast which nursed you. Then verse 28. He said, more than that. Hello, are you reading with me? What did Jesus say? More than that. Blessed are those who hear the word of God. And what? Say, blessed is the womb that produced you. Blessed is the womb that nursed you. And Jesus said, no, more than that. There's something more than gold. It's called the spirit of God in the lives of men. He said, he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and what? And they keep it. Praise the name of the Lord. And they keep it. So our spiritual connection to one another is so vital, is so important. Then how should we treat each other? Through covenant. Through covenant. Our, co our relationship with one another must be a covenant relationship, not a relationship of convenience. That means that what affects, what affects your brother affects you. What, whatever your sister is going through, you just don't wave it aside. So no, well, or you even say that, oh yes, that, that sounds her right or sounds him right. No, you don't do that. You don't do that. You want to be there for them. You want to be there for him. You want to be there for her. You want to stand with her. Don't forget the what, what? What comes around will do what? Goes around. Amen. Well, eventually, there will be a time that people will need to stand with you too. You know, things change a lot of times. I remember, you know, someone preached a very powerful message. When your what? When your benefactor becomes what? Very, very powerful message. And I, I, I took that message that day, and that message has remained with me. That what goes round, what comes round, goes round. You know, be there, let's be there for one another. Stand with one another. That is the covenant community that God wants us to build. And that is certainly what we desire to see in the city of refuge. That we stand together. We love one another. We care for one another. So that we become an example to the world the way we ought to live. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. He now said this. Verse number two. He said, mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. 
Verse number three said, Beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. I was diligent. I was prepared. I was getting ready to write to you about our common salvation. But something happened. Jude changed course. Hello? This is almost like a sermon that has been recorded that we're reading and we're sharing it on today. It's happened to me also, even in international conferences. I remember I was preaching in, in a conference in, in PNG of, to a lot of pastors, about 400 to 500 pastors. And I was preaching, and it was the last day of the message, um, of, of the meeting. And I prepared the message. I was ready for the message. And as I stood from the worship, I started feeling, mm, 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 there'd be a need to change this the direction. And then by the time I got to the pulpit, when I was invited, it was so clear that the Lord was saying, change direction. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Remember, you had prepared. You're written everything down. You're ready to go. And it wasn't just, it wasn't just teaching church in the house, Bible study or something like that. It was an international conference. And he said, now, change direction. Change direction. Wow. And I did. I jumped into it to say, Lord, I'm jumping into this and see where we land. And I'm telling you, the power of God was so present in that meeting. It was so wonderful. Sometimes God would deliberately lead you in a different course, lead you to change, lead you to test whether you would trust him. And even when it seems as if you are not finding him. Whether you trust him, it's easier to rely when everything has been written down. It's easier when you can just, but when God says, now go in this direction, that you are not prepared for, then he becomes your preparation. And that is why we need to be ready always. Reading our Bible, especially for those of us who minister, should not be at the time that you want to minister. That is the time you now say, let me go and study. I'm going to minister today. Let me study. I'm not ministering this week. I'm not studying. No, it should be a daily affair. A daily, a daily routine, a daily practice for you. That, oh yes, oh, uh, today is Bible study. Uh, Tuesday is the church in the house. I, I need to study now. Well, how about Monday? You know, the word that God has given to us is not something we just mouth. It's for life. It's what we live by. What we live by. I've said this many times, that this word is not just it's not just something we look at occasionally. It's something we live, our, we live our lives based on that. When the word of God is solid, established in your heart, it's difficult for contradictions of circumstances to change it. But when it's not, then when circumstances blow, you know, when they blow, you also blow with it. It's called going, flowing with the wind. You blow to the right. You blows whatever wind the direction is blowing. No, you should be steady. You should be established. You should be, you know, solid on the word of God that you have, you have, you have believed. That is not circumstances that will change. But when the Holy Spirit himself is leading you and guiding you and strengthening you and leading you, then you just follow the leadership of the Spirit. He said, beloved, I was very diligent to write to you concerning our common salvation. What does that mean? Common salvation. Does it mean cheap, worthless? No. Common in the sense that it's available to everyone. There's nobody. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever world, 
Whosoever. You know, this one is not, uh, God is not the respecter of persons. There's no better salvation for people living in the West and a lesser one for those living in what is called third world. You know, no, it's the same thing for everybody. It's the blood of Jesus that saves and is available to everyone, wherever you are born, whatever family you belong to. It's the same salvation that's available for kings, that's available for servants. Same salvation that's available for everyone. Oh, available wherever you are from, whether the U.S. or from Haiti, no matter where, you know, is the same one. It's common salvation available to everyone. Praise God. That means that if you apply the word of God, if you stand on the word of God, if you follow the word of God, no matter who you are, you get the same result. Hello, you get the same result. He said, I found it necessary to write to you, exhorting you to contend, what? Honestly, for the faith, which was for all, for once, delivered to the saints. Contend honestly for the faith, to contend. What does that mean? What does that mean, to contend? What does the word contend means? To contend means, why, the, why did he change that? I believe the Holy Spirit must have led him. He must have nudged him. Like I gave the example, not even, I just gave the example of PNG. It's happened to me many times. You know, many times that we just change that. The Holy Spirit must have nudged him. No, now, right, go in. I know you're planning to do this, but go in this direction. Go in this direction. Said so to contend honestly. Contend. What does the word contend means? I means sanctuary worship. Because this is the time that I will now go and ask people, what does the word content means? What does it mean? What does the word content means? Praise God. It's always dangerous to sit in front when I'm teaching or preaching. Because you are someone that will be preaching along with me. Amen. I praise the name of the Lord. But what does the word content means? I did a study on it. And you know what that word means? That word means... Is synonymous with the word to wrestle, to wrestle, to wrestle against, to wrestle against, a contend, to wrestle against. That's the word it means. Uh, that's the meaning of the word, to wrestle against. To contend means to wrestle against. Is that honestly? That means that this is something that you do with all your word, with all your heart, to contend, to wrestle against. Honestly, for the faith. Isn't that interesting? That is telling, you know, Jude is telling the saint to wrestle honestly for the faith. For the faith. Which was once for all delivered to the saints. Why would Jude ask them to contend? Hello. Why? Why? Or maybe, let, let, let me read this to us from the TPT version of the Bible. Jude and you see everything that I've said there. Jude chapter 1 from the TPT version of the Bible. Jude chapter 1. It reads, and I quote, Truth, what fighting for from Judah, a loving servant of Jesus. I mentioned that to you earlier on. From Judah, a loving servant of Jesus, the anointed one. The brother and brother of Jacob. Jacob is actually the Hebrew Aramaic word for James. 
I'm writing to the chosen ones who are wrapped in the love of Father God, kept and guarded for Jesus, the Messiah. May God's mercy, peace, and love cascade over you. <laughs> cascade over you. I love that. So, dearly loved friend, I was fully intending, can you see that, to write to you about our amazing salvation. I said, the word common there is not referring to being cheap or worthless, but it's just that it's available to everyone. And Jude made that clear here. Amazing salvation we all participate in, but felt the need instead to challenge you to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we cherish. For God, through the apostles, as one for all entrusted this truth to his only believers. To contend, look at it, to vigorously defend and contend for the beliefs that we perish. For God, through the apostles, as once what? Entrusted these to us. Praise the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. To contend. I said that work speaks of what? Speaks of re to wrestle. Another word for it is to agonize. To agonize. The word content therefore means a hard, diligent effort to accomplish an end. Making a hard, diligent effort to accomplish an end or to accomplish something. So, but why would Jude be asking them to contend? Why? Why would he be asking them to contend? Because we contend for something that is what? Number one, precious. We contend for something that is valuable. If it's worthless, why would you be contending for it? What do we do with things that have, what? That are, we don't value. What do we do with them? Or things that we've considered as waste. What do we do with that? We throw them away. We drop them into the bin. But what do we do with something that we value? We watch over. We protect. Take, for example, uh, let's say uh, a vault or an art gallery where you have expensive paintings. You're not likely going to find the door of the place open. You're not likely going to find the door of the place open without what? Uh, without regulating access to it. During the day, you must have maybe a pass, maybe a ticket, maybe something that would recognize your presence there and that will allow those who own the place know that you are there at that particular time. And when the display or when the time of visitation passed, you know, they'll probably post a guard there. Or without that, there'll be people monitoring the place. Why? Because of the values of the project, of the values of the, of the things, of the artworks that are there. How about the vault of a bank? Do you, are you likely going to be walking on the street and they say, this is the vault of NAP? So, are you likely going to find it there? I don't think so. If, if that would be the case, they would not even be in business today. Hello? They guard their vault jealously. In fact, there's a place, it's called the outer court in the bank, where normal people get to. That's where you stand. If you don't have what, if you don't belong to them, then those who are what, those who belong to the place, have what is called access card. They go into the what? The, 
in accord. But only few people can get into the vault because that's where their treasures are kept. So you contend for something precious. You contend for something valuable. You contend for something that is important to you. And Jude, in writing this letter to the saints, was telling them that, look, you need to contend for what? For your faith. I'm going to get to that. You contend for something valuable. You contend for something what? Precious. You contend for something what? Important to you. And then, not only that, what do you need to contend? You contend for something that is about what? To be stolen or to be lost. That if you don't keep watch, this thing can be lost or this thing can be stolen. So I was telling them here, look, this faith that you have is valuable. And if you don't watch over it, you can lose it. You can lose it. Look at the situation that is in existence in the nations of the world. Compare what we're having right now to 30 years ago, to 40 years ago. What has happened to the faith? What has happened to faith of individuals? Why is it that in so many places, because the faith there is not just talking about, it's talking about two things. It's talking about your personal faith and trust in God and the eternal truth that we have believed. Eternal truth. So it's a, it's a combination of both to contend, you know, for your trust, your own faith in God, and also the truth that we have believed. And look at the situation all around us. Look at the effort being made to throw Bible out of schools. Look at the effort being made by those in leadership to ridicule the Christian faith. To many people, they believe it's a, it's a crowd of people that are quickly disappearing. That's not true. Where did they get that from? It's a lie from the pit of hell. And Jude is warning us, encouraging us, those of us who still hold the faith there, said don't lose it. Because you standing in faith is going to be an encouragement to other people to also continue to stand. Can you imagine, you know, the entire church standing to pray regarding our cities, regarding our nations? What do you think will be happening? Look at the laws that have been passed. They are not, especially in this nation, that is not taking into consideration what the church, the, 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 what the church believes or what the, the thinking of those in the church. They are not, they, are not, they will just pass things, they will just do things with total disregard and they, will, they, will, they are always like an addendum at the end of the day when all things have been said and done. Okay, how about those of you here? Okay, look at that. It's time for us to contend. It's time for us to contend, to contend for the faith, starting from your own personal faith, starting from your own trust in God. Because you can't be contending on a larger ground if your own personal trust or faith in God is shaky. Hello. If, for example, you are being tossed to and fro by every wind of circumstances, every wind, somebody says, forget about the Bible. I say, yeah, that, is, that, that looks good. You know? Or somebody says that, oh, or somebody makes a, a joke and tries to ridicule your faith. I say, yeah, you know, if I let them know now, I don't want to look bad before them. 
if your own faith is not solid, how do you now take a stand for the eternal truth that we have believed? If your own faith is shaky, how do you stand when you're facing contradictions of circumstances and situations? If your own faith is shaky, how do you take a stand when there's an assault on your faith? Because the faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. The faith that is not tested cannot be trusted. So Jude is telling us, and I believe by the unction of the Holy Spirit, the Lord is leading me to tell you to contend for the faith. Don't let the faith, your faith in God slip away. Don't, 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 don't water it down by the circumstances that you are facing. Don't let it slip out of your hands. And I need to say that. Because there's so many of us, there's so many of us who probably were not even born in this nation, born in this state, who came here. I remember a man that I, I used to know. He said, I got a call from my, 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 my pastor when I was back in Africa. And the, the pastor was saying, hey, uh, mention his name, call his name. So what are you doing on Sunday? He said, I'm going to church. Oh, actually, we, we, I, I thought we, you know, we should go for a picnic. We'll go to the beach and just, he said, but uh, is it not church time? He said, you know, this in, in here, sometimes uh, you know how it is. And he said, but that was my bishop when I was back there. Not even just the pastor. I don't know what church, you know, but he said he was my bishop. What happened to bishop? Bishop is no longer contending for the faith. What happened? Bishop has become distracted by the circumstances. Bishop has become distracted by the, uh, the, what? The, the situation in his environment. It's become distracted. Don't let your faith sleep. Don't let your faith sleep. It's so important because it will be what? The enemy will launch an assault on it. Why is Jude asking us to contain? Number one, because it's precious, is valuable, and it's very important. Number two, because if you don't take your stand, if you're not watchful, you are likely to allow it to sleep. Number three, because of the fact that the enemy will launch an assault on it to what? To shift you from the ground that you are standing upon especially when you start to manipulate circumstances and situations. When suddenly the word you have believed, you say, what is happening? When suddenly there's an assault on your health, you say, what, I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I'm not seeing any change. No. Say, I don't know whether this word is true. No, there's nothing wrong with the word. You are the one that needs to go back and say, Lord, is there anything that you need to show me here? Is there anything I need to do here? Is there any area of obedience that I've been what, uh, that, that I've neglected? Is there, is there area that I need to make an adjustment? Don't let the enemy convince you that there's something wrong with the word and say, okay, I think this word doesn't work. No, the word works. It only takes what those who will work it to ensure that it works. Content for it. Content for it. The faith which was for us delivered to the same. What faith? Your personal faith and trust in God and the eternal truth that you have believed. Let me take you to another place where you find the word coming up. In 1 Timothy chapter number 6, verse number 12. 1 Timothy chapter number 6, 
verse number 12. What does it say? It reads, and I quote, 1 Timothy 6, verse number 12. Yep. Fight the good fight of what? Of faith. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life. Fight the good fight of faith. Why is it written here? Why did the Bible put it as a good fight of faith? Because it's a fight that we win all the time. It's a good fight. It's not a fight that you lose. It's a fight that you win. So it's a good fight. Number two, it's a fight that every one of us will eventually be involved with or engaging. It's a good fight. It's a fight that you win. Number three, this is not a fight against individuals. We are not fighting people. When you say, oh, yes, because I don't want anybody, and I trust that nobody will hear this and say, yes, I know what to do with that man now. I'm going to face him. No, I'm not asking you to fight anyone because it's a good fight of faith. It's not fight against individuals. It's not a fight. It's not fighting your spouse. It's not fighting that friend. It's not fighting that co-worker. It's a fight or faith. And it's a good fight because it's a fight that we what? We will win. Or a fight that we win. We're not even fighting. Hello, somebody. We're not even fighting the world. We're not fighting the devil. Praise God. Don't hear this and say, yes, I know what to do. I'm going to fight the enemy. I'm going to fight. No, we're not fighting the devil. Uh, maybe I need to show you First Timothy chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12. Or maybe from verse number 10. Ephesians 6 from verse number 10. What does it say? Ephesians 6, verse number 10. Ephesians 6, verse number 10. Spiritual warfare. Now, my beloved ones, I have saved this most important truth for the last. Can you see that I'm reading from the TPT version? I've saved the, this most important truth for the last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you'll be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings. Your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Amen. That hold what? This dark world in bondage. I'll repeat it again. Maybe I'll read it to you 
from the, from the New King James Version. Finally, my brethren, be strong in what? In yourself. Be strong in what? In your ability. Be strong in what? In your word. No, not in yourself. Not in your ability. Be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his mind. Verse 11. Put on. Not put off. Put on. Hello? Put on. Many believers have put off. Put off. But it says put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse number 12. For we do not wrestle, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We are not fighting against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Amen. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. TPD says your hand-to-hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirit that hold this dark world in bondage. So one, we are not fighting human beings. Hello. You are not fighting people. You are not fighting Oh, yes, but that, my boss, is a very bad person. I'm not saying he's not a bad person, but you are not fighting human beings. We are not fighting people. We are not fighting your spouse or people close to you or family members, no matter how difficult sometimes these people, some of these people have been. In fact, if I tell you, difficult people are grace growers. You know? So we are not fighting them. Number two, we are not fighting we are not even fighting. Don't focus your, yourself on, I want to fight the enemy. Even though we wrestle not against human beings, but against principalities, but don't focus on fighting Satan. I, I don't understand that. I, I'm going to explain that to you. Let's go to the book of John. Book of John, chapter number 16. From Verse number 7, book of John, chapter 16, from verse number what? 7. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is, your, it is to your advantage I go away. That's Jesus talking. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. Verse number 8. And when he has come, he will convict the world of what? Of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin, because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Satan has been judged. He has been defeated on the cross of Calvary. So we are no longer fighting for victory. We are fighting from what? From victory. We are fighting from victory. So don't focus. I want to I'm going to face the enemy. I'm going to wrestle against him. I'm going to spend the next two hours battling the devil. He has given you assignment that you are doing. Amen. What do you do to the enemy? You exercise the authority that you have in Christ. So you don't let him anytime he shows up. 
Anytime you see, you exercise the authority that you have in God against whatever he's doing or perpetrating. And our focus remains Christ because Christ is our strength. Amen. And it's so important, I need to emphasize this, because if you are busy fighting individuals, you are in a wrong fight. Hello. You are in a wrong fight. Somebody has given you an assignment that you are involved with. Hello, and it's not God. If you are busy having, because sometimes you say, oh, yes, I, you know, uh, this person is an enemy. That person is an enemy. These people, they are an enemy. These people are an enemy. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that if a man's ways, what? He will even make his enemies to be what? Be at peace with him. Why are you so focused on so-and-so being your enemy, that person being your enemy? I'm not saying they're in agreement with you. I'm not saying they're making life very comfortable with you. But why don't you learn to fight in a proper way and exercise the authority that Christ has given to you in some of these areas? I've shared this story before, and I'll repeat it again today. Many, many years ago, a friend of mine was moving from his own from where he was staying into another, uh, in the, another house. And I went there to just support them and be with them. And the people who were helping to clear that place and park, they were, you know, back in Nigeria, uh, we, uh, we really, at that time, maybe they have now, but I'm talking about many, many years ago, we didn't have what we call movers. You just get people on the streets that will come and help you to park and everything like that. So we got some of those people. And they were parking, and he had to go somewhere. He left, and he drove somewhere. And he left him to be watching what they were saying, what they were doing. Suddenly, they said, uh, where is he? And they were speaking in their own local language. Where has he gone to? They came to me. I couldn't speak their language very well. I mean, I couldn't speak their language at all. And then they were, they, they were speaking to me. I was trying to gesticulate and speak you know, in English. They couldn't understand English. Can you imagine? You're speaking Spanish to somebody. He's replying you in French. How do you communicate? It's a very big challenge. So I said, I said, I'll do like this. You know that he's coming, he's coming. They say, you know, they spoke in our, in our language, which I don't want to repeat because, you know, many of us wouldn't understand that. And, and eventually, when they saw that, where is the man? I could, they, they, they were not here. They just, the, the leader just called everybody. Come, 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 come. We're leaving. I said, why? Don't leave. The man will soon be back. Of course, they, they were not hearing what I was saying. So they left and went and sat outside that. They, in fact, they were going to wait there until the man would return to give them the money. I mean, <laughs> of the work they've done. Why can't you just, you know, it's simple reason that why don't you just continue doing the work? Eventually, when the man will return, he will even pay you more. But if you've stopped halfway, will he not just pay you for half of the job? But somebody was influencing the situation and it just struck me. Now, wait a minute. There's somebody here who is influencing this situation. And I started praying in the spirit. I'm going to get to that in the course of contending for the faith. I started taking authority less than five minutes. Somebody that we are, people that have tried to explain, explain, talk, did everything. Suddenly, I just said, Ruba Baba Shili. I just started walking. Rima Katulu Baba Sekian Tulu Baba Sekia Riba Baba. I just saw them. They just, the leader just called everybody. Let's go. And they walked back. 
in, in, into the house and started walking. They didn't even talk. They just started walking, started walking, started walking. It was very instructive for me. Now, wait a minute. What I could not do by explaining, by talking, by gesticulating, by trying to smile at them, what I could not accomplish, praying in the spirit, I contacted heaven. Heaven released forces and angels. And they joined forces with, to push back the enemy that was influencing those people to act in a different way. And we got a different response from them. I say, wow, it was very instructive for me. And I must say, totally life transforming. Because I saw it at play. I know I saw it clearly play. Talking about 1994. And that has changed my life that wait a minute that I don't need to be engaging with individuals. I don't need to be fighting, especially when there are contradictions. And when you are facing contradictions in your situation and circumstances too, don't allow it to bog you down, weigh you down. Learn to do what? Learn to lay hold because we'll go there to lay hold. First Timothy chapter 6 verse number 12. To lay hold to lay hold, uh, six, what's the word? Six, verse number 12. To do what? Lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold. I've explained that word. The last time I was teaching, I was talking about laying hold on the prophetic word. What does it mean to lay hold? To lay hold. To lay hold. This has happened to me a number of times before. Sometimes I thank God for the health that God has given to me. I thank God for how he has kept me. I thank God. I remain ever grateful to God. I do not take that lightly. But I must say that there are times that the enemy has tried to afflict my body. Afflict my body either with one thing or the other. I've had opportunities to be sick, but I've just refused to continue to take those opportunities. And what do I normally do? I'll go back to the word. I'll go back to the word. And I'll start to I'll open the word again. I'll not even be praying on my head. Not even praying. No, 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 no. Not even all of that. But go back to what was written. Go back to what has been spoken. I'll go back to the word. Doing what? Laying hold. Laying hold. Go back to the word. I'll go through the scriptures. I'll read the scriptures. I'll read the scriptures. I'll you know, th think deeply on them. Look at those scriptures again. And what will I now start to do? I will now start to declare them. And especially in the area of sickness. You know what I'll do? And I'll say in the name of Jesus Christ, exercising my authority on this particular thing, I'm commanding it to leave my body. But just don't rush to pray because you must lay hold. You must lay hold. What does the word lay hold? What does it mean? What does it mean to lay hold? Is to believe that you receive. Is the word to seize. Is the word to take to yourself. Is the word to what? To embrace. Is the word to, to take. You take it. You take it to oneself. 
In fact, the best word to describe it is to see. You seize it. You hold on to it firmly that nobody can take it away from you. Hold on to it firmly that nobody can take it away from you. Lay hold. You can't fight the good fight of faith without laying hold. Because there will be contradictions of circumstances. There will be contradictions in situations to the word you receive, to the situation you are going through, to sometimes the way you... There will be those contradictions coming. It's not the time to give all, but it's the time to lay hold. Lay hold. Because it is in laying hold that you can fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. It's quite interesting. Look at Jude telling us, contend for the faith. And look at Timothy telling us, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold. Lay hold on eternal life to which you are called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Lay hold. I don't know why this is so strong again in my heart this morning, but I'm again emphasizing it. Lay hold. What word have you received? Lay hold. The Lord has spoken to us that the difference between our, this year and our next year, and if for some of us, the next 10 years, it will be between night and day. What do you do to that word? Lay hold. When contradictions are rising up, lay hold. When situations seem not to be lining up, lay hold. Lay hold on those words. Lay hold. Lay hold on them. Lay hold. I said lay hold on eternal life. Lay hold on eternal life. What is eternal life? When I ask this question, people sometimes will say, oh, everlasting life. There's no doubt. There's no, nothing wrong with that. Everlasting life. Long-lasting life. Like long-lasting milk, is it? No. That's not what we're talking about. Eternal life. What is eternal life? John 17. John 17. From verse number 1. John 17. From verse number 1. Jesus spoke this words, lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your word, your son, and that your son also may glorify you. I believe the hour has come for some manifestation of things in our lives as a church and in individual lives. I believe with all my heart that the Lord will arise. He will have mercy upon Zion, the time to favor us, the time to walk in supernatural favor, unusual favor, outstanding favor, that said time has come. Amen. And Jesus spoke this was lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son, that your son also may glorify you. And as you have given him authority, over all flesh, that he should have eternal life to as many as you have given to him. Uh, I can't go into a lot of things. I would just want to encourage you, please be in the Bible studies because I'm breaking this down. I'll continue on this Tuesday. I've started on Thursday. We'll continue again breaking this down. Verse number three. And this is eternal life that they may well know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. 
So what is eternal life? Eternal life is knowing. Eternal life is what? Knowing. Knowing. Having a knowing. Having a knowing. That is eternal life. That receiving Christ into your heart must translate into your knowing. Knowing, getting to know him more intimately. You shall know the truth. And the truth that you know is the one that will set you free. Not the truth. Not the truth that pastor knows. You shall know the truth. And the truth that you know will set you free. You shall know the truth. Eternal life is knowing. If you receive Christ, and if you don't enter into the place of knowing, I'm telling you, the enemy will steal a lot of valuable things away from you. But when you get to the place of knowing, you know, it will start to affect every area of your life. Every area of your life. And you know what it will produce? Let me take you to Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. Philippians chapter number 3. What does it say from verse number 7? Of, let, let's read from verse number 1. It's also good. Very good scripture. It says, finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same thing to you is not tedious, but for you it is what? Safe. Because you are hearing some things this morning that you have heard before. So I'm deliberately repeating some of those ones. Why? Because it's not tedious for me to remind you, but it is for you to be safe. Verse number two. Beware of dogs. Beware of evil workers. Beware of the mutilation. Verse, for we are the circumcision. For we are the circumcision. Who worship God in word? In the spirit? Rejoice in Christ Jesus and have no confidence in the flesh. Verse number four. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, that means in his natural ability, in what he, in, in his natural person, in his, that which is natural. He said, no. If anyone thinks he has confidence in the flesh, I also should do that. Because I'm circum uh, you know, look at it, circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, concerning the law, a Pharisees, but concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness, righteousness, which is in the law, blameless. Verse number seven. But what things were gained to me? These have counted what? Lost for Christ. But without what? But without doubt. I've counted all things but loss for the excellency of the, yes. Yet indeed I also count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I suffered the loss of all things and seek count them as rubbish that I may gain Christ. Verse number nine, and be found in him, not having my own righteousness which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. Verse number ten, that I may what? Know him, knowing Knowing that I may know him. And then what will happen with the knowing? Power. Power of his resurrection. And then the fellowship of his suffering. Identifying with what he denied himself of. And being confirmed to his death. You know, being confirmed in the effort that I may know him. And the power. And the power. Power follows knowing. If you want the power. Then you must pursue the knowing. 
Because the knowing will produce the power. And how do you get to know him? He said, lay hold on the word. Lay hold on your relationship. Lay hold. Don't let it slip away from you. For this is eternal life that they may know you. The only true God and Jesus Christ whom he has sent. Fight the good fight of faith. Laying hold. Laying hold on eternal life. And I want to just emphasize this. And I will close. We live in, we're living in very challenging times. We're living in perilous times. But one thing is very, very clear. Darkness may cover the earth. Gross darkness the people. But the Lord will what? Arise on his own people. And his glory will be seen in their lives. Darkness may cover the entire world. Gross darkness. But the Lord will make a difference in the lives of his people. And the key to making that difference or experiencing that difference is what we're looking at in this series. Contending for the faith. Content, not allowing those things that you believe to slip away. Not allowing the enemy to steal them from you because they are valuable. They are precious. They are very important to him and they should be very important to you. In the situation that we are, you know, with all these things, all that thing. They say COVID-19 and the rest of it like that. They say by the time we get vaccine, all problems solved. And you, are, you and I know that, you know, <laughs> all problems have not been solved yet, you know. But uh, where is the solution to all of this? You laying hold, laying hold, so that in the midst of the chaos, you have the peace of God that passes all human understanding that is guarding your heart and keeping you in the name of Jesus Christ. So that at the end of the day, that no matter what is happening, you are shining forth. And the glory of God is being reflected in your life. And you are making a difference in this perverse generation. Rise upon your feet as we pray. Father, we want to thank you for your word to us. Thank you for again challenging us this morning to lay hold. And thank you, Lord, for the word given to us to contend for the faith. To contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. The Father, I pray for the grace, release of grace on your people. The grace to stand. The grace to continue. The grace not to be discouraged. or The grace not to be dissuaded. The grace to stand in the face of contradictions of men and contradictions of life and contradictions in situations and circumstances. The Father in the name of Jesus Christ. The Lord that they will learn to lay hold and lay hold and lay hold in the name of Jesus Christ.
none will be a forgetful hearer, but all will be a doers of the work. In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. We worship and we adore you. Thank you so much because indeed we are part of a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. God's own people that has been called to show forth the praises of him who has called us. Lord, they will show forth the praises of our God. We will show forth the praises of you, O Lord, in our lives. In every area in Jesus' name. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for them right now. Because you are able to keep that which is committed into your hands. I want to commit each person into your hands. Keep them in your will. Keep them in your purpose. Keep them in your plans. Keep them from all forms of evil. In the name of Jesus Christ. Keep them, O Lord my God. In the name of Jesus. Including their children. In Jesus' name. Cover them with the blood of Jesus Christ. Again, I draw the bloodline. I say, no evil shall befall you. In the name of, no sickness, no disease will come near you. In Jesus' name. Thank you, wonderful Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to encourage you throughout this week, this thing, this topic that we're looking at. The moment is posted, listen to them. Listen to them. Let these things penetrate deep into your spirit, deep into your heart, so that you can what? Stand no matter what. You are ready to contend. You are ready to fight the good fight of faith. Remember, it's a good fight of faith. Not fighting people. Not even fighting the enemy because he's defeated already. But how do we handle him? I've explained that to you. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, you will not be a forgetful hearer in Jesus' name.